We're talking about walking in the wisdom of God. And we're taking our time and we're laying a foundation here. Wisdom. You're going to see today that the God of heaven has made his wisdom available to you. He's not just suggesting that you walk in it. You need to walk in it. Otherwise, there's consequences to not walking in the wisdom of God. And the consequences are you'll live like a mere man. You'll be subject to things that your father doesn't want you subject to. So the wisdom of God, we've learned some things about it. It's not of this world. I can't learn the wisdom of God from somebody else. I can't find it in nature. It comes literally out of the word of God that I choose to pound into my spirit man. And so what it does, the wisdom of God is from the inside of me. It comes out of my spirit directly from him or directly from his words. I just said the same thing. And then what it does, the byproduct of this wisdom, is it affects me. It gives me understanding. So now it helps me think right. It helps me understand things. And the, the wisdom of God, see, it's the part that causes me to, or it enables me, I guess that's a better word, it enables me to apply this word to my life so that I could bring the victory that's already been given to me into my life, which enables me to walk out God's plan for my life. So this is what we're talking about. If you want to walk in victory, how you pull that victory into your life is by walking in the wisdom of God. Does that make sense? And you gotta, you got to pull that victory in, in, in your life because you need that victory in order to walk out God's plan for your life. This is why this series... Um, you know, I've taught on the wisdom of God before. I'm so excited because I have a sense that we're going to go just a lot farther than we've ever went with this. So the wisdom of God, he wants you to have it. You have to, like everything else, you have to choose to walk in it. Amen? So Proverbs 4, 7, have you found that yet? Wisdom is the principal thing, the most important thing, the first thing. Therefore, get or pursue wisdom, and with all your pursuing, pursue understanding. In other words, think right. Now jump over to Proverbs chapter 9 in verse 10. So wisdom is the first thing. It's the principal thing. So you got to pursue wisdom. You just don't, it just doesn't come upon you. It, it's not like a, just a ripe fruit. You just walk over and it just, you know, you just pick it. It's no big deal. You don't have to really think about it. No, you have to pursue wisdom, right? You pursue it. And in all you're pursuing, pursue understanding. So now in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10, this is the other foundational scripture of this series. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, or in the Hebrew language, the opening, the commencement of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is what opens the wisdom of God to you. Well, what is the fear of the Lord? It's literally this. This Hebrew word means the reverence, the honor, and the respect. And here's the key about this word, above everything else in your life of the Lord. So this walk that we call the Christian walk literally it, it, you have to 
you have to start out minute one to walk by faith. You have to make a decision to put this above everything in your life. If it's number two, it won't really work. Or I should say this, he is unable to work. Or maybe even say it even a little bit more accurately, you will be unable to lay hold of anything from it if it's not first. So this is why this is so, so very important. The fear of the Lord is the beginning or the opening of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy or the knowledge of God. The revelation knowledge of God is understanding. So these are two principles that are huge. You know, before we go on, I want to read a disclaimer because there's something about this that you've got to see. And, and now, remember, I'm your pastor. We're going to teach the whole word of God. Your comfort, I, although I want you to like me and everything, I don't care about that compared to preaching the whole word of God. Why? Because what, what God wants is that he wants you to overcome in this life. He wants you to have the God quality of life. And there's, there's a lot of believers that are not walking in it because they're, not, they're, not, they're living for themselves. And, and, and see, if you get in the pride, you don't see it. Now, are all of us maybe in pride in one area or another? Probably. You know, because have you ever just been going around, you feel like you're doing really good, and then you read something and go, ouch, right? But those ouches are always really good things. So remember, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation in us. Literally, that means all, all of the sin that Tony Finley committed was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus. So now I'm literally dead to sin, I've been raised to newness of life. So now the word of God will show me how to live. So go to Proverbs chapter 1. I wasn't going to go here. This is a big part of wisdom. Now remember, here's God. He, he doesn't line up with you and I. We have to line up with him. Why? Because he is life. His wisdom will literally get you over in every area of your life. And here, but we have to talk about one thing that's major. It was brought out in the first chapter. It says this, verse 20. Wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. So wisdom, in other way, in other words, is working outside the walls of the church it, it's everywhere. Wisdom is everywhere crying out, right? In other words, in your life, you have a part of your life it, to really walk with God. The primary, the foundational piece of your Christian education and walk is your local church. This is where you learn. This is where you grow. All the other teaching and everything you get from anywhere else will build on the foundation of your local church. It's just the way God set it up. Nobody goes in alone and obtains their inheritance. We all go in with our company, right? So God does everything this way. So the foundation, and, and he says here, wisdom, though, cries without. So not only, so you have this part of your life in, in these walls here, but then you also go to work. 
You have a whole life outside. Wisdom is still crying out in every area of your life. It's what it's wanting to do. It's, it's crying out to you. It's saying, embrace me in the area of your health. Embrace me in the area of your parenting, in the area of your relationships, in the area of your family, in the area of whatever career you're in. Embrace me in every area of your life. Why? Because, see, the word of God, when you get revelation, what's coming out when the word opens, it's light, but it's also, it enables you, when you see it, now you can say it, and now it enables you to apply it to your life to bring in the victory that God's already given you in every arena of your life. So he says, wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of, of the concourse, in the opening of the gates. In the city, she utters her words saying, this is what she says, how long, you simple ones. Now this word simple in the Hebrew language it really, it's really the word stupid. How long, you stupid ones, or you simple ones, will you love simplicity, or will you love stupidity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Basically, wisdom's going, hey, 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 let me get your attention. I have a better way. Right? The cool thing about stupid is you don't have to say, stay stupid. Right? If you're a scorner, you don't have to stay that way. In other words, your past or where you are now does not have to be your life. Right? So then, wisdom says this, turn you at my reproof. This word reproof means correction. Wisdom is saying Turn to my correction. Stop saying no to me and embrace me, in other words. Turn at my correction. Behold, if you'll turn, I will pour out my spirit unto you and I will make known, this is revelation knowledge, my words unto you. But then verse 24 says this, because I have called... It's an interesting word, this word called in the Hebrew language. It means because I've called and called and called and called and called and called and called. That's literally what it's saying. Wisdom is always, see, God is long-suffering. Because I called and called and called, and you refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. I'm like, come on, let me help you. Come on, let me help you. And, and you just blew it off. Right? But you have set at naught all my counsel. That means literally you've, you've basically reduced it to nothing. You've said, wisdom, your counsel is nothing. In other words, and this is what we say as Christians, I'm going to do it my own way. Now, we don't say that to God verbally but we say that with our life. Jesus said this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? And then he said, listen, guys, here's the deal. The person who lives like that is a person who's built their house on sand, and when, not if, the storms come, your house, you're going to be destroyed. So, but, but if you hear 
and you do it, you're, you're like somebody who dug deep and built his house upon a rock. And when the, when the storms of life come, it won't even shake your house. And that's what God wants for you. It says, it says, because I've called and you've refused, I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you have said it not all my counsel and would have none of my reproof or you would have none of my correction. Pastor, do not tell me what to do. And as a pastor, I'm like, I'm I'm not. Don't shoot the messenger, okay, right? And and, and by the way, we're all in the same boat, (laughs) you know, right? Actually, when I'm pointing a finger, I've got four of them coming back at me. I've said it, but you have said it not all my counsel, and you would have none of my reproof. Verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. And I will mock when your fear comes. Not if, but when. When your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Now, you sit there and go, well, now wait a minute. Because there's other scriptures that says if you turn to the Lord, he will completely pardon you and everything else. This is talking about when a person refuses and refuses and refuses, then all this stuff starts happening in their life. What's happening now is they're calling, but they're not calling with a right heart. They've lost that ability. They're, they're still like, God, you got to, come on, you got to do this. And if, and if God doesn't come and fix it, then you got people going, you know, I'm just, I, I tried that stuff and it just doesn't work and I'm mad at God. And that's where all that stuff comes. Where does it all come? It's Romans chapter one. And when they, they chose not to glorify God as God and were not thankful They were given over to vain imaginations, and that's where this person is at. And their their foolish heart was darkened, or their foolish mind was darkened. So now, in the middle of this calamity, it doesn't seem like they're able to adjust. It says here, when your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, It says, then they shall call upon me, but I will not answer. They'll seek me early, but they will not find me. For they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. This is the key to this whole thing. They hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. There are people that happens to. Now, here's the thing. The enemy will sit on your shoulder today and go, well, you know what? I've been doing my own thing. I've been knowing this thing's wrong forever, right? But are you in a position where you hate knowledge? No, you wouldn't be here. See, I'm not, I'm not really preaching to anybody who would really be here. But if you're playing with things in your life and you're saying no to God, be real careful because you can get there. And when you get there, you just don't realize it because you're just, you're just living your own life. 
So why am I saying this? I've got to say this because there are consequences to saying no. See, we think we're living. People who don't know God, they think, they think, well, I'm, I'm not going to give my heart to God. I'm going to live my own life. But you know there's not one person on this planet that lives their own life. Although they think they are. They go where they want to go. They do where they want to do. They think that. But if you're not serving God and you're not in God's family, guess who you are serving? And guess who is pulling all your strings? And ultimately, that's why a person ends up separated from God in hell and lost God doesn't even send them. He just, he just literally respects their right to go there. There is no other place for them to go. They've chosen that. So this is why, this is the seriousness of this. It seems with wisdom, and let, well, let me go on here. It says, verse 30, They would none of my counsel, and they despised all of my reproof. Notice this consequence, the person never changed. Even though they're in trouble and they're calling out for God's help, they're still not changing. They're still not fearing God. They're still hating knowledge. It's like, God, you come deliver me. Boy, you guys look so serious. Relax. You don't have to choose this, right? It's, it'll be okay. It'll be okay if you choose right. But the choice is yours. It seems like like, like in Ephesians 6, it says, having done all to stand, stand. The Bible talks about like uh, two, two houses that are built. You can see that the, one, the difference between the one that fell and the one that stands is what they heard before, what they put in themselves before the storm came. Having done all to stand, stand. See, the Holy Spirit is going to get you ready for your next storm. And God doesn't want your, the storm to even rattle your... your Because why? Because you stand in the storm and go, I don't care what it looks like, right? This is the way it will be, and I will not accept anything less because I am a child of God. I believe his word, and his word is truth, and I don't care how much any circumstance can scream at me, it will come in line with the word of God, and I'm never moving from that. See, this is the way a child of God lives. But in order to do that, you have to know him. There are people that are just saying, no, I want to live my own life. I don't want to become part of a local church. I don't want to, that, that's dangerous. I don't want to read my Bible. I'm not going to meditate in the word day and night. I'm definitely not going to forgive people. And, and don't, pastor, I, it, I'm, going to, I'm going to leave your church if you talk about money anymore. All right, please come back. Right, I had I had one person tell me that that his brother got really upset, visited our church, and came with another minister in the area, and they asked me to go to lunch, and said, "Yeah, my, you know, he's, he's a police officer, and he's he's like, man, my brother got really mad at you, and and he goes, he just he just you know, he just really doesn't like the fact that you talk about money when you take an offering, and and you know, he said it kind of in a way he wanted me to go, oh, you know, well, listen, I could kind of adjust that." And, no, 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 no. I said, well, you know, I bet your brother's in financial trouble, isn't he? And he looked at me and he's kind of like, well, you know, he's kind of, he's going through bankruptcy right now. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and everything. And I said, I go, I go tell your brother, listen, just come a few minutes later. Come after the offering. 
And I was dead serious. If the offering upsets you right now, just come after the offering. Hear the word. Let God work on you. You know, and pretty soon, if you'll let him, he'll start working on you. You'll start seeing some things, right? No guilt, no shame, no condemnation, right? So this is the way we got to be. The wisdom of God, it's so, so very important. So now, is everybody okay? Now, am I saying you could just keep doing your own thing and walk in the wisdom of God? I'm absolutely saying that will never happen, right? So, so but you choose, but realize we're going to give you everything, the word of God just over and over, this is the benefit, this is the benefit, and you don't have to figure it out. Your part is to literally just be willing and obedient. That's it, right? And we need to clarify that for a New Testament believer. Obedient to the law? No. Obedient to the faith. Obedient to, to walk by faith. Obedient to walk in the love of God. That's it. But you might be going, but pastor, I don't even know how to do that. Oh, I got great news. You don't have to know. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you knows and if you'll just let him, he'll lead you into it. And, and, and when you mess up a little bit and you do all this, listen, don't worry about that. You're going to have some of your greatest faith victories when you feel so defeated. The enemy doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think, oh, you come to this Word of Faith church. And what happens is there's a place of euphoria that you step into. You know, it's, it's the Brother Hagen anointing. And all of a sudden... It's just all okay. No, 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 no. No, the enemy's coming. You'll have some of your greatest victories when you might be tearing up. Father, everything. I feel like I'm just a failure, but Father, I thank you that I know I'm not. And all of a sudden, those feelings will come in line. Right? This is how we walk and this is how we live. Anyway, let's go on. Go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. It's all about surrendering, guys. Oh, surrendering is a wonderful thing. Your flesh hates it. It tries to crawl off that altar, but that's okay. Your spirit loves it. And ultimately, listen, your flesh will just do what you tell it to do. Right? James chapter 3, verse 13. Do we need to have everybody repeat after me, I love my pastor? No, that's okay. I already know you do. Praise God. Yes, I know you do. James chapter 3, verse 13. James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now this word conversation literally means behavior or manner of life. So the word is saying, who's, who's a wise man and endued with knowledge? Or who's walking in wisdom and understanding? Let that man show out of his life, out of his behavior. Right? Let him show out of his behavior his works with the meekness of wisdom. In other words, you will be able to see the wisdom of God in a person's life. Another way to say that is nothing is hidden. Do you know my life and your life is completely reflective? How I'm submitted to the authority of Christ in my life 
is, is literally shown in how I submit to any authority that I have in the earth. It's revealed. How I love the Lord is revealed in how I love people. It's, it's all reflective. The wisdom of God, if you're walking in it, you will see it in a person's life. You'll see it in your own life. You'll see it in another person's life. This will be a big indicator to who you have in kind of your inner circle. You want people, if you want to walk in the wisdom of God, you want that close circle around you to walk in the wisdom. You want people that are walking in the wisdom of God. See, in other words, you can tell who's walking in the wisdom of God by how they live. Right? So verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Now, now remember, the book of James is written two Christians. James was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He was Jesus's half-brother, and he's talking to Jewish, predominantly Jewish Christians. It says, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, this word hearts could be translated mind, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom so they're walking in a wisdom, but it's not the wisdom of God. This wisdom descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Earthly wisdom. This is talking about earthly wisdom. It gives us a picture. Earthly wisdom will always result in envy what is another word for envy? Jealousy. And strife. So let's look at this envy, jealousy word. People want to prosper so that they would be seen. Right? If you, if you think you are a better Christian because of the car you drove here today or the clothes that you're wearing or what you do for a living, you're walking in earthly wisdom. And, and, and literally, it will, it will create jealousy in you. You'll drive in with this, you know, this wonderful 5 Series BMW, but because you're operating in earthly wisdom, you're going to be jealous of the guy who has the 7 Series BMW. And then you finally, you know, you finally get the 7 Series BMW, and then you see the one that's that AMG model that, you know, I mean, it's just never enough. Because, see, things can't fulfill you. Position can't fulfill you. You know, some, I mean, what you do for a living. It's amazing in our society right now. The pressure on housewives. I mean, they, what, what, an, what an honorable thing to literally full-time pour your life into your children. And, and yet in our society, first of all, Satan hates that, but our society will make them feel like second-rate citizens. Sometimes in churches, we, we isolate. we got to get away from all that. It's earthly wisdom. People want to outdo others. I want to head up this ministry so I could be like in the inner circle 
of Faith Family Church. If God's no respecter of persons, there is an inner circle. We're all in it. Right? Strife. Strife is the very nature of Satan. It causes fights. It causes divisions. It causes contentions. And here's the big thing, how it does it. It causes confusion. Everything about Satan is confusing. Earthly wisdom is based on feelings and emotions. Earthly wisdom is of your head. It's of your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's where it originates. The wisdom of God originates in your spirit. It comes from him, right? Earthly wisdom brings confusion and every evil work. Earthly wisdom. So now, verse 17, let's look at this because it's going to tell us about the wisdom of God. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is number one, first, first, pure. That means the number one thing about the wisdom of God is it's not confusing. Have you noticed in our services when the word is going forth, how easy to understand it is. You understand it, and it might, not, it might not be, you know, applying it to your life might take you a little time, but it's not like there's all this really woo-woo, confusing, like, you know, you gotta, have the, you gotta have a certain ring in order to really key it in and make it work. No, no, this is for whosoever will. So the first thing about the wisdom of God, it's pure. It's not confusing at all. Then it's peaceable. I love this. It brings people together. That's what that word peaceable means. The wisdom of God will draw you to people. Okay? It goes on. It's gentle. See, it's not like, man, get your act together. No, it's not like that. The wisdom of God is very gentle. It woos you. Embrace me. Let me correct you. My correction is so gentle. Right? That's good. And easy to be entreated. The wisdom of God is easy to be entreated. That means it is submissive. It's easy to get along with. The wisdom of God, when it comes out of your spirit. Now this is, literally, this is, it's giving us a picture of what comes out of the word of God. It doesn't just come out of your spirit when you see revelation knowledge of your word and it slaps you in the face and goes, come on, straighten up. No, no, it's very submissive. It'll show you something and it'll stand there. And the more you go, wow, I want this, the more it'll go, okay. I've got more, you want more? But you decide it's easy to get along with. Satan's not like that. Do this or else. You're going to do this, but I'm not going to do it. Right? It pushes, pushes, drives, drives. The wisdom of God leads you, woos you. That's the wisdom of God. If you have, if you have harsh things coming out of your spirit, you better check, check that because that's probably coming out of your flesh. Right? And here's a good one. It's full of mercy. The wisdom that is from above is full of mercy. Isn't that cool? Means if you blow it 500 times, guess what? 
It'll keep helping you. And finally, on that 501th time, it, you get it right and you just get it all. Isn't that good news? It's so full of mercy. And, and it's full of good fruits, which means, see, this is the cool thing about God. Whatever he pours into you bears fruit. And that fruit's not for you, it's for others. So now you can help other people get free. I love that. And here's another thing. It's without partiality. That means it's impartial. It's no respecter of persons. It's for everyone. And it's without hypocrisy. That means it's sincere. It always, what you see is what you get with God. Isn't that good news? Verse 18, I love this. It goes right from this. And it says, now, now guys, this scripture, all these scriptures, you got to meditate in them. As you meditate in these things, it'll become, you'll, the Lord will start to show you. See, wisdom is a spirit. God wants Jesus to be made wisdom to you, to where he's a person. You, do you see that? Intimate. Intimate. And it says here, verse 18, well, let me just read it. But the wisdom of, that is from above is all of these things. And then it says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. That's an interesting thing to say right after the definition of wisdom. It immediately starts talking about righteousness, which is our position with God. The wisdom of God is all based on your position with him. The wisdom of God, the world can't have it. Right? It says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So righteousness will sow. The person, the person who makes peace, righteousness will sow more peace into them. Let, go to Isaiah 32, verse 17. Because this really brings out. Because it's real interesting. Isaiah 32, 17 says, And the work of righteousness is peace. And it says, and what is it? And the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. Quietness. How, why is that important? Be still and know that I'm God. It's really hard to see God when you got all these loud noises going on and you just can't, right? But the work of righteousness shall be peace. The effect of righteousness, the effect as righteousness affects me, as my righteousness affects me, it causes a quietness. I'm no longer trying to just think and figure it out and toil. No, I'm just quiet. And it gives me an assurance. How long? Forever. That means it never stops. So then jumping back to James, it says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Well, what is, if righteousness was a tree, peace would be the fruit of it. And that fruit is sown 
in those that make peace. So do you see that? Wisdom, in other words, what all this is saying, the reason why verse 18 is there, wisdom is the result of pursuing righteousness. You have to know that. So what is, now we understand why Matthew 6.33 says what it says. Right? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? And his righteousness. And then all these other things, everything you'll ever need in life that's already been provided for you will be added unto you. Isn't that good news? We don't have to toil. Wisdom is the result of pursuing peace. Wisdom or pursuing righteousness. And wisdom puts you in a position to literally draw you, to take the word of God and draw that victory into your life. In peace, this is why we say faith is a rest. It's not toil. So now I want you to see something in Solomon's life. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 4. We're learning some wonderful things today. Man, the more you meditate on it, the better, the more you're going to like it. But you're going to have to see wisdom. You've got to pursue it. This is one of those things where you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to just get, get online and get your notepad and your Bible. Right? Because even if you're taking notes, which, man, you should be if you're not. But even if you are, even if you are, you need to go back because you could shut me up because I say a lot of things. And the Lord will want to expand what I'm saying and customize it to you. So, so he wants to make it yours. Why? Because you're here to make disciples. You're here to make disciples. And i got to tell you guys, here's a little thing. So if it's true, which there is so much, there is so much proof that this is true, just think about where we are in history. If Jesus was really crucified on Wednesday, April 3rd, in A.D. 30, which we're really, 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 really sure. The only other possible thing, it could be A.D. 33. But after, I mean, John, you were telling me about that. I did a little research. I, I believe it's, it's got to be A.D. 30. And A.D. 30, April 3rd, guess what day it was? It, you know, it was the day that Jesus was crucified, Passover. And if the church age is two days or 2,000 years, that would be at 2,030 but that's when the second coming happens. So you have to subtract seven years because we're out of here before the tribulation. So that would be about 2023. But we don't have to be right up to 2023 to get raptured. It could happen at 1118. <laughs> right? Right? So, so literally, guys, Jesus commanded us to know the season. Now, do we know the date, the time? No. But boy, don't you know you're at the end of the church age. But, but here's the thing. Even if we're missing something and not seeing something, and the Lord tarries his coming because he's just waiting for more people to get saved. And, and you know, in, in a short period of time, man, we're going to live a long, healthy, strong life and then go home and be with him. Time is short. Man, I was 27 
the last time I blinked. Now I'm 57. I'll blink again. I'll be 87, right, if the Lord tarries. But boy, this is so important. I can't, I can't even put in English. I mean, every time I try to say it, it just sounds silly. It's it just got to be more. But this is not the time to live for yourself. This is not the time to not have the word first place. And, and this is the time to really get to know him. Because he, he wants you to live as a conqueror in this earth. So, 1 Kings, did you find it yet? Chapter 4, verse 29, talking about Solomon. It says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much. God gave it to Solomon. And look at what else he gave Solomon. And largeness of heart. In other words, Solomon was a big giver. Big, big giver. And God gave him that largeness of heart. And it says here, how big even as the sand that is on the seashore. Wow, that's pretty big. Could you count the sand that is on the seashore? And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite. It mentions a couple guys here, right? And Heman and Chalcol and Darda, the sons of Mahal. He was even wiser than these guys, which apparently must have been pretty wise. And his fame was in all the nations round about. Now, if you study these four guys, only two of them are mentioned in the Bible, but it's interesting that both of them, both of them worshiped God as a lifestyle. That was a thing that marked their life. They were worship leaders. They were worshipers. The wisdom of God is so tied to worship, I can't even begin to tell you. It's, it's amazing how that in worship, you get out of the vain imaginations and you can start, start, start walking in. The wisdom of God will just start flooding up and it'll give you understanding. This is why worship is so very, very important. So very important. 1 Kings 4.32, and he, talking about Solomon, spoke 3,000 proverbs, and look at this, the wisest man in all the earth, and his songs were 1,005, so he wrote 1,005 songs. Verse 33, and he spoke of trees from the cedar tree, which is a gigantic tree, that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop, which is very small, that springs out of a wall. He also spoke of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. So cedar trees to hyssop. Why does it say that? Wisdom is spoken of from large things to small things. That's what he's saying here. Okay. Verse 34. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. That sounds a lot like Proverbs 18.16, which says that a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. The wisdom of God will do this for you. This is talking about talents, 
abilities, and skills. A man's gift makes room for him. But it's also talking about the wisdom of God because you can't walk in any of those gifts until you know how to apply the word of God to them. So it's talking about the wisdom of God that you're allowing to develop in your life. It'll bring you before great men. It'll, it'll make place for you. Now, this is an interesting story about Solomon, but let's go back to the beginning. Go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1. So you have 1 and 2 Kings, and you have 1 and 2 Chronicles right after that. So go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1 in verse 6, and we're going to see how this all began for Solomon because it's the same way that it can all begin for you today if you want it to. Right? So let's look at this. 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 6. It says, And Solomon went up thither. King, King James says these silly words. It means he went up there, okay? Thither, wow. You, do you know King Jimmy? The reason why he had the, the Bible translated into the these and thous, that, that old English speaking, they didn't speak that way. That was, it was 400 years earlier. The only reason why he did it, because it was a word-for-word translation, and the verb tenses worked a little bit better with that Elizabethan English. That's the only reason. So that's why we have to put up with the superfluity of naughtiness. And, <laughs> right? But it's, it's all good. It's all good. So when Solomon went up there, where did he go? To the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, what did he do? And he offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. A thousand. Now there was many offerings that they would do in the Old Testament. And what it was, you would get, do an offering before the Lord and you would hold some of it back for you. But the burnt offering was not like that. The burnt offering was you offered the whole thing to God and you burnt it all down to ashes and you held nothing back for yourself. Does that make sense? Solomon went up. Now notice it doesn't say this. It doesn't say he went to the Lord and said, listen, Lord, I'm willing to go burn a thousand burnt offerings before you if you'll give me the wisdom of God, your wisdom. Notice it didn't start like that. Solomon in his heart said, I'm going before the Lord and I just... His, his focus was not to get anything. His focus was, Lord, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I, when you look at a burnt offering, I don't know how long that would have taken him. I mean, my goodness. Let's say it was 10 minutes a burnt offering. That's 10,000 minutes. So I don't know how long he was there. But it's burn offering. It had to burn down the ashes and then he would do it again and do it again. And he was going before the Lord. What he was saying to God, he goes, I'm giving you everything that I am and I'm holding nothing of myself back for myself. That's what it takes to walk in the wisdom of God. Can you do it? You're made to do it. Your spirit wants to do it. Your flesh does not want to do it. Right? And the Holy Spirit will help you do it. So this is Solomon. 
There was no shortcuts to obtaining the wisdom of God. To pursue the wisdom of God, you must burn it all and hold nothing back for yourself. In other words, you must do the word. You, and now, will you, will you mess up? Well, look at Solomon's life. Did he mess up? Now, we can't give him a hard time because he was spiritually dead. What is our excuse, right? So Solomon is burning all of this. There's a scripture in the New Testament that's the same, the same scripture, and it's found in Romans 12, verse 1. I'll just read it to you. It says, I beseech you, therefore, you could hold your finger, just stay in 2 Chronicles. In Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, this word present, is you present in a spirit of sacrifice your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's your spiritual worship. It's a living sacrifice. And every one of us said, yeah, it sure is, because that sucker wants to crawl off that altar when I'm trying to put it, you know, right? It wants to do it. It's living. It hurts to do that, doesn't it? But oh, does it pay. And it, but that's the same thing. See, you got to understand, in the Old Testament, there were sacrifices, right? They were animals. In the New Testament, there are sacrifices too. It's, it's us. So you got to throw your body on the altar. you got to tell, no, flesh, I'm not going to get upset. No, I'm going to love. I'm going to forgive. We're not going to do that. We're not going to look at that. Right? Whatever it is for you, you'll know. Many times we're only willing to give God what we want to give him instead of giving him it all. Do you know Literally, the moment a Christian steps out of their body, if they've lived for themselves and they're standing before the Lord, it's going to be a glorious moment because they're going to see the love of God face to face, but they're also going to be like, wow, I live for myself. I missed it, right? I wasted my life. But for multitudes and multitudes of people who don't want to give their life to God because they want to live their own life, when their life ends, and it ends so quickly. To be honest with you, it'll always end sooner than a person thinks, and they'll be lost forever because they wanted to live their own life. Some people come to a place of change and turn around and do nothing. Have you ever done that? I've done that. Have you? That's no fun. Because see, this, this is what happens. So you come to a place of change. Maybe that's for you today. And then you're like, because God won't make you. He doesn't push you out of the boat. And so you turn around. And that trip around the mountain, though, can cost you because you're in places where you don't need to be. But God's working on you. And then you finally start going, okay, yeah, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just getting back. And, and all of a sudden, one day, you wake up and you're right back to the same place, right? How many times? I, I don't even want a show of hands. I don't even remember how many times I came to the same place in certain areas of my life. I'm just so glad God never gave up on me. That's why I'm so glad for the church. Because I never, I never, ever, when I was, when I, literally when I was 17 years old, when I, when I stepped, into the, stepped back into the church, 
when I was a young man in Southern California and I was on my own, hardest point in my life, I stepped into the church and I've never stepped out. In, in whatever mistakes I made or what, I always ran to God. I never ran from him. I'm so grateful. I deal with people as a pastor that, that are in a position where they, they just, they're, they're so unwilling to do things. And it's like, man, you don't have to be living in this because God has a great life for you. But, but he can't force it on you. You got to want it, right? Some people won't give up their bondages because it is their excuse not to give their whole life to God. See, the wisdom of God will cost you everything. But it's worth so much more than you could ever pay. Changes your life. So now let me go on with, with, uh, with Solomon here. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give you. So here's Solomon. He's just doing this. And God is so moved. He's like, Solomon, ask me what I can do for you. And Solomon said unto God, You have showed great mercy unto David my father and have made me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let thy promises unto David my father be established. Notice when you see Solomon was was running this whole deal, and now we're starting to see his heart. He was starting to go, Oh my gosh, I'm following in my father's footsteps. And this is way bigger than me. So I, I got I gotta I'm gonna go to God and I'm just gonna I'm gonna give it all to him. That sounds exactly like your life and my life. Because this thing's way bigger than you. You might not know it, but it is. Life has a way of getting a person. It says here, Now, O Lord, let thy promises unto David my father be established for you, have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge. Notice how wisdom and knowledge is always together. That I may go out and come in before this, thy people. Notice the absence of me. Right? For my office as a pastor, the minute I think you're my people and this is my church, I'm in trouble. But if I burn it all, it's always, God, these are your people, right? And this is your church. This is everything I own is yours. Everything I'm yours, boy, that's a road to life, right? It says here, and God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you've not asked for riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of your enemies, neither yet have asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king, wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you. But here's God. God is a giver. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before you, neither shall there any after you have the like. So, so he's like, listen, because you asked this, I'm going to give it to you. But yes, of course, I'm going to add all this other stuff to you. Isn't that good news? That's what God does. 
God gave you and I a way for us to live in this world with great advantage. God wants you to have a great advantage. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of wisdom, the Word of God, it will keep you ahead of the enemy. It'll keep you ahead of the world system. It'll, it'll give you an advantage. To access God's wisdom, it brings advantage in our life. God's wisdom always will show you the way to go. It'll tell you what to say. God's wisdom will show you the way to bring to pass everything that he's placed in your heart. Everything. And God's wisdom will give you the freedom to pursue what God has called you to do. God doesn't want you bogged down with finances so that you can't serve him in the capacity that you want. I've talked to some of you. There's some things in some of your hearts. It's going to take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of pieces coming together. The Lord, you don't have to figure it all out. God will do all of it, right? I mean, I think of some of the things here. God will, I mean, it's the wisdom of God that does it. So I'm going to close with saying this. James chapter 1, jump over here. So do you see that? James chapter 1 says this in verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. So when you ask God for wisdom, he'll give you more than you need. And he upbraids not, that means he doesn't get down on you for the mess you've created. And it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. It says, verse 7, For let not that man, the man without faith, think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why a double-minded man, which means a man of vacillating opinions. Oh, I think I've got what I've asked for. Well, maybe I don't have it. Well, maybe I do have it. Is unstable in all of his ways. So God says... If you want wisdom, just ask him. <laughs> but realize when you ask him, he's going to start talking to you about some things that you're going to have to burn and leave nothing back for yourself. Right? But it's so awesome. And we're going to do it together. <laughs>